good to have you here. It's an honor to be here. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Appreciate it. So. <laughs> Five weeks ago today, we were we were uh, ministering with you. We were we were in your uh, in your congregation, and so it was a real blessing for us to be there. You probably see all the "I Love Kentucky" yeah, shirts, okay? Yeah. And so uh, Kiryat Yam yeah. is the city where Tents of Mercy is, and uh, so my brother uh, watches over the congregation there, and it's a real blessing to have you here. And uh, we've been really excited waiting for you to come. And uh, we've been going through the book of Acts together. And uh, it's really interesting because I've been reminding the congregation week after week that we're still not at a point where the Gentiles have been welcomed in. (laughs) And uh, so we've been, you know, waiting for that moment in time when God's plan unfolds in Acts and, uh, and, and the Gentiles are invited in. And it's so interesting that that God sent Peter to do that, and he sent you here to invite us in. And so it's really special that you're here, and uh, I'm just so blessed uh, to have you here. So you're going to share a little bit about your family and, and those kinds of things, and then open God's Word for us. So, Yeah, it's been a pleasure for us to get to know you and to partner with you. And so we partner with them as a church, and uh, so after the service is over, if you want to talk to him, you'll be able to do that. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Yeah. Lord God, how I thank you for this, my brother, my friend. And uh, Lord, I, I thank you that, uh, that here, just a few weeks after we were with him, blessed to be in, in his congregation, you have opened the door for him to be here with us. What an amazing, uh, amazing opportunity this is for us. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing through Avi and all the rest um, that are part of his congregation as they're reaching to touch people who are coming into Israel and making Aliyah and touching them with the help that they need. So thank you for the ministry that's happening. Thank you, God, that you partnered us together. Thank you that we can call each other brothers. And now, Lord, I pray as he speaks that uh, you'd speak through him with great power as you have so many times and that uh, we would hear the words that you have for us. A blessing on his family as he's away from them, Lord. And uh, we pray all this in your most beautiful and holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity. It's wonderful to be here with you uh, again. And even following... uh, Five weeks ago that you have come to visit us, unforgettable time. The mayor still talks about you and, and the visit that you had with us. It really was a, an honor. And again, the opportunity for me to be here just so happened to coincide with that visit. So it's an honor for us. You've got wonderful ambassadors. Uh, and I want to also invite all of you. <laughs> if you ever come to Israel, you have a family and a home, and we would love to host you, and uh, as you visit, like we say, the old stones, uh, we will be the living stones speaking to you from Israel about what's happening in Israel, so it's an honor. Wonderful. Well, let me start off with uh, a little bit introduction to my beautiful family. It's always heartwarming for me to do that. As you can see, my wife and I found a beautiful recipe for making beautiful kids. And so, uh, uh, it's my wife, Hannah. She was actually born and raised in America. And she was born in New Mexico, grew up in Maryland, and 
miraculously ended up in, in Israel. Uh, she's a Jew, and she connected back to her roots. And uh, I came from Ethiopia, uh, for those of you who didn't uh, notice. Uh, not from Sweden. Uh, and neither am I from America. Uh, every time I go to the airport, I pull out my Israeli passport. Up until that time, everybody treats me like a local. And then I pull out my passport, and they see something that looks Arabic or Hebrew, and they get, what's that? And I was actually, they put me aside to interrogate me a little bit. But, needless to say, I'm from Ethiopia. I was born and raised there, and I came to Israel when I was 17. Also, as a Jew, uh, it was a miraculous uh, intervention of God in my life. And we met in uh, Israel. Both of us were studying at the Haifa University at that time. I actually knew her dad before, which is a good way to start a relationship. Uh, we served together uh, in different various communities. Uh, I actually was uh, his interpreter in a, in a singles conference. Can you imagine? And that's the first time actually we, get, we met. And as he was starting to speak, immediately our hearts really uh, connected. And uh, we had a family connection since then. But so that's, uh, that's the time that we met. And actually, after I, I met him, it was much more easier for him to see and uh, allow me to date his daughter. Uh, and those are our four children. Uh, the one to the right of my wife, her name is Desta. Desta in Amharic means joy. And we named her because... That's kind of what we felt God doing in our life as, as Jews who have come back to the Lord. That's uh, Psalm 126. It says, we, we were happy. We were made glad when the Lord brought us back into Zion. And so the name was named after that. Coming back to Israel is a joyful thing for us. It's a realization of God's uh, vision for our life. And then our second daughter, the one who plays uh, volleyball, and she's tall, as you can see, is almost taller than the older sister. Her name is Kidan. Kidan means uh, covenant of grace. And that's also what we believe in. When God brought us to the land of Israel, it's not just so we can connect to our Jewish roots and live back in the land. It's so we can connect to the Messiah through the covenant of his grace. And so we named her covenant of grace. Her name is in shorter, Kidan in Amharic. And then there's two boys. So up until that time, raising children was very easy. Two girls, <laughs> wonderful. Say, so let's have some more. And we had uh, Matan Oz, uh, who is 10 years old, the one who's taller. Uh, he is, uh, his name means the giving of strength. And this is something I also, it just worked out that way. And, uh, you know, we, we come to faith in Yeshua, but also he said, you know, you cannot be my witness until you receive power. And so he's got power. He knows it. He shows us his muscles every time. But he's a wonderful kid who loves the Lord. All of them really love the Lord. And then our youngest one, uh, his name is Tsuriel. It means God is my rock. Uh, and... Uh, he is a rock. He's a very strong kid, also in his will. And he was, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> our last child. And we said, okay, this is enough. We can, we can uh, raise. Uh, and the reason we called him, um, you know, um, God is my rock, is also living in Israel. You know, we live in a modern-day Israel. 
in one sense, we have a miraculous testimony of God really bringing us as a, as a, as a nation back to Israel. You know, when I went to the Ulpan, which is a language school in Israel, in my classroom, we were Cuban, Brazilian, Ukrainian, Russian, American uh, people from England, and we were all sitting down studying this ancient language called Hebrew, trying to break our teeth, right? It was very difficult, and we were uh, trying to connect. But it was amazing for me, even at that time, that here we were, uh, coming back from exile was like almost like a family reunion. We didn't know each other. We came from different backgrounds, but the one reason that brought, brought us back to Israel was God's promise. And so it's an amazing thing to live in Israel and that reality. But at the same time, to be honest with you, modern day Israel is not yet redeemed, is not really connected with the Lord. And so we need that strength to hold us to say, no, we have to bring God to the forefront of Israel's life. And that's something that really is a, 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 a cry in our hearts. And that's what happened in my life. When I came to Israel, I was 17 years old. And like I told you, I was very intrigued with my Jewish roots. Uh, and I came and I got really deeply rooted in my Jewish roots, studied all, uh, all I can know about my Jewish roots. And uh, for me, that ended up being one sentence. Well, to be a strong Jew, you must not believe in Jesus. That's basically what it uh, accompanied to. So for me, it was amazing to recognize my journey back to Israel was not just to connect to the, the land of Israel, which is amazing. A land of Israel revived when the people of Israel came back to the land. If you would fly above Israel, you would see a desert but inside there is a blooming, really amazing, fruitful land. And it just shows you uh, God's promise was really uh, that when we come back to the land, the land would even be fruitful. So it's an amazing thing. And um, for me, that was amazing to recognize and realize. But still, you know, there's a missing part. And I was really seeking, okay, why don't the people see? And why am I here? What's the purpose in my life? And... That question really led me to seek more and more. You know, the Ethiopian eunuch story in Book of Acts is similar to that. If you take the eunuch part out, uh, came to Israel. There was a, a missing, uh, a missing uh, ingredient seeking God. Okay, I need to know more. But God was very gracious to me. Uh, he revealed himself to me in the Sea of Galilee. I was visiting there, and uh, I had a, an encounter with Yeshua, and those were the words that I heard in my heart. And he said, you've come to Israel to meet me. I'm your missing puzzle in Israel. And uh, I, I took that, and I said, I need one more proof. You know, I need one more uh, proof to know that it is you. Because for me, to come all the way to Israel, to stay as far as possible from Jesus, and then come back to him, was a, a difficult thing. And so uh, God was gracious. He provided me with believers who were praying for me. And when I got back from that trip, they were waiting for me at the gate and trying to tell me, uh, we want to preach to you about Yeshua. And actually, they gave me the most unattractive version of the gospel. They said, uh, you are a sinner. 
Don't you want to hear that every day? <laughs> you are a sinner, and if you repent, Yeshua will give you a new life. But that was enough for me to hear Yeshua, knowing that he was the one who sent him, and I gave my life to the Lord. And it's been wonderful since. I've found my destiny. I've found the reason why I'm here. And not only that, I know the key to the question of Israel today. It's Yeshua. That's, that's really what we are here for. So I'm here to really um, not preach about Israel. My message is not Israel. My message is about Yeshua. And when we talk about Yeshua, we talk about what's dear in his heart. What is something that he cares in his heart. And so that includes Israel and the church. And so we, were, we will try to combine both of that. Uh, just want to also... Um, acknowledge John and Arlene. Are they here? Yes, I saw them earlier. I just want to honor you here. You've been friends with us for many, many years, and uh, you've really been uh, advocates for Israel. And thank you so much for your years of sowing and praying and and uh, being being little Israel in America. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So when we read the Bible in Israel, or most of us, we like to say we want to read from Genesis to Revelation. That's really the right way to go about. And some people read only from Matthew. And actually skip the first chapter of Matthew because it all has to do with the genealogy. And then they stick with the Gospels and the New Testament. But if we were to stick only with the New Testament, we would miss a lot about a central theme that God seems to be communicating throughout the scriptures. And so this is something that I tell my children, or we tell our community, please, when you, when you read a version of, or a text in the scripture, please connect it to the whole story of the Bible. And I know that you do that here, but it just is something that is very uh, central because when we begin to read uh, in book of Acts, we talk about Israel. And the disciples coming and asking him, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, some of us may think, what's Israel got to do with it? And, you know, why is it there? But when we read the scriptures, we know this is really a part of the central theme that God has been speaking throughout the prophets and uh, the five books of Moses. And this question is a very relevant question. And so when we read the book of Acts, we realize these were Jews who knew the promises of God. And one of the promises of God was God was going to restore Israel when the Messiah comes. And, and both spiritually and physically. That was actually their expectation. And so their question was right. It wasn't a wrong question. It's just a question of the timing. And Yeshua says, well, you don't know the timing yet. And so that's one thing I want to encourage us that when we approach the scriptures that we see that. And that gives a perspective for, for the reading. And then the other thing I wanted to say was, you know, um, we all have a biased background, right? We all have a biased background and we have a certain angle of reading the Bible. And I think for the most part, it's helpful and it has built us, but I found it very helpful sometimes to just lean away from that and say, 
Lord, please speak to me from your angle. Interrupt my biased thought and help me understand from your perspective what you want to say. And I think that's helpful when we look at this um, portion, especially because God interrupted both the centurion Italian guy and um, Peter. Let's open in the book of Acts chapter 10. So many people think that the church was born when the Holy Spirit came in chapter 2 of book of Acts. And, and I think it's, it's a good perspective, but it's not really accurate. Because all the people that received the Holy Spirit at that time of prayer were Jews. There were Jews that were taught by Yeshua for 40 days. There were disciples of Yeshua, all of them Jews, who basically connected that experience or that uh, encounter with God and the Holy Spirit dating back to the promise of God through Joel. And that, you know, for us, that's the beginning of it. And it had to happen on a Jewish feast. Of course, Shavuot, right? And it happened in a Jewish feast. And actually, that's the holiday in Israel that we also celebrate the... Um, giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And so it's amazing that God gave that testimony or commandment in the Mount Sinai, and then here we're celebrating the, the Shavuot celebration on the same day of Shavuot, and God is giving the Holy Spirit. Now, the first time it was the law, the second time it's the Spirit. Now, the law, we say, kills, not because it's bad in of itself, it's because we can't really fulfill it, right? That's the message of it. We can't really fulfill the law, and so that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, so we can have power to carry the Word into our lives. It's interesting, you know, 3,000 people died when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and 3,000 people were saved when the Holy Spirit came, and that's really a completion of the grace with the law. And so we see that God was continuing what, we, what began, what was promised in the prophets. One other thing about the book of Acts as well, it's really a very key essential book. I'm sure you all agree. And yes, right? Yeah? Okay. Because it's a very connecting book. Imagine if we didn't have the book of Acts you know, who would read most of Paul's books, right? We wouldn't be able to know him because that's where we find his story, right? It's, uh, that's, that's, we won't be able to connect him. We won't be able to connect with the apostles or the disciples because we won't be able to see what happened in chapter 2 of Book of Acts. And it connects all of the New Testament for us as well. And we won't be able to perceive and see the heart of God, the heart of God for the Jew and the Gentile. Now, we believe that the body of the Messiah or the bride of Christ has a dual identity, right? God created Adam, uh, but he said he made them female and male. 
Adam had two dual identities, right? It, man did not, male, the male continued to be male and the women continued to be female. And in such a way, the body of the Messiah, we believe, has a dual identity. One side of it is the Gentile church. The other side of it is Israel. It's not something that was replaced. It's not something that was canceled. Both remained where they were. And in God's eyes, those are the two identities that he's bringing here together. Let's read it together in chapter 10. At Caesarea, some of you were there five weeks ago. It's a beautiful place. Uh, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian reg Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Uh, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Be careful when you pray because prayer is allowing God to speak to you. It may mean many times, but here God saw that as an invitation to speak to his heart. One day at about uh, three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distantly saw an angel of God, distinctly, sorry about that, distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in with Simon, the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of, one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. And then another encounter happens with Peter, two different people in two different locations. About noon the, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. Again, he went up to pray. And uh, he probably was tired in ministry. He wanted to retreat himself and just take time to pray before the Lord, not expecting God to interrupt him. But here's what happens. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meat was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open, something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so here we see uh, two people, God giving them an encounter. And I, I love the fact that God sometimes really chooses to reveal to us things uh, in a supernatural way. I believe that, you know, this is my prayer, that God will do that in Israel for many hearts. You know, that people, people will be able to have visions 
an encounter with God in, 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 in such a way, it will make our, our job a lot more easier. You know, <laughs> definitely. It's a selfish prayer sometimes. But it really is an amazing thing. And, and I think God also uses this vision and encounter as such when we are in a very important turning point in our life. And this is, this is the point that each one of them were. You know, Cornelius, he had a certain discipline that he developed in his life. And I think, you know, God honored that and it was a blessing for his life. So he was set on a certain course in his life. I need to fear God. I need to give to the poor. And I need to pray constantly and be a good, righteous man. And that worked for his life. And I think he was a successful man in his life and also before God. And so, you know, when things work for you before God and before men, what more do you need? It says he was a respected man even amongst the Jews. And here we see Peter completely in a, in a different place. And in other words, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, seen signs and wonders, seen the hand of God move through his life, many of his fellow Jew people coming uh, into faith. And he's filled, I, I believe he was filled with hope. Yes, you know, the, the restoration of the kingdom of God is coming. It's really near. We're, we're winning people. And he was focused on that. So much so that maybe he had forgotten what Yeshua has said to them. You will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea and to all ends of the earth. So he, he probably forgot the ends of the earth. And so he's focused in his track. And, you know, that man was also focused in his track. It's like, you know, it's like you, you, you drive into a neighborhood that you know so well. Every corner, every turn, you know it. You can drive there blindfolded. Not that I would recommend that. But all of a sudden, the GPS you forgot was on says, no, take a left turn. And, no, no, I'm not, you know, you're fired. No, you're not, you know, I'm not going to walk with you. But this is what happens. All of a sudden, God is opening heaven and saying to the man, go meet Simon, as if he has a missing link. And then he's saying to Peter, now eat something that you consider unclean. Kill and eat. Now, you know, people say what you eat is who you are. Uh, but in this case, Peter was talking about his, who he is, his identity. And basically he's saying, I am refraining to eat from these things because it is in our covenant to remain pure and with the things that you have given us to eat. And he wasn't saying um, that, uh, you know, I don't want to disobey you. It was a question of like identity. I, I'm, I'm going to stay to who I am. And I'm so thankful God orchestrated a meeting between them. You know, he could have said, you know, I have called the Gentiles to this place, you know, and you need to go to the Gentiles and preach and present the gospel so they can be saved. Or he could have said to Cornelius, you know, you are missing in your practice the saving grace of Jesus, my son, who I'm sent, go to the Jews and get the message and, and, you know, and get it right. But he actually orchestrates a meeting between the two. 
And that's really beautiful because, you know, we talk about identity a lot in our, in our community amongst the young adults. It's, it's important to know who we are. It's important for God. It's important that we know who we are. And it's one of the things that I love about when God asks Jacob, who are you? And that encounter, that struggle was so, uh, you know, central. And God struggled with him to ask him this question, who are you? So he can say who he is before God, so God could give him his true identity. And identity is a really important thing before God, because in that identity is where he will put his blessing. I think it's very important that we walk with that revelation and understanding. But identity in and of itself is meaningless without relationship. You know, it's, it's, God doesn't reveal to me his identity and what he intends in my life. Identity carries our calling and our destiny. But it, it, knowing all that without a relationship is really meaningless. What good does it do for me to look up the mirror and say, oh, you're so good looking. And you are, I need to relate that. And I think that's part of God's heart is when he saw Adam and he had everything. He said, no, it's not good for man to be alone because he needs a helper. He needs someone to connect with him so he can fulfill his destiny and he could help fulfill his destiny. And we, we know that God really put us in this um, holy dependence on him, but also on one another under him. And I think that's a very important aspect. What God was connecting the two was bringing them to a meeting so they can recognize one another and so they can realize that their identity is not complete on their own. And that in God's eyes, when the two come together, there is a full identity. And I think that's why God orchestrated this meeting between uh, Peter and Cornelius, and we can see the meeting. Uh, let's read it together in chapter, in verse 16. Oh, obviously, uh, this ha the, the vision that Peter had happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was still pondering and wondering about the meaning of the vision, I love that. God didn't give him the whole piece. He had to kind of wrestle with that. I like that. Sometimes the things that we wrestle with that are actually so precious, they lead us to a wonderful revelation of who we are and who God is and who's, you know, his heart. I love that aspect. And while he was still wondering in, uh, what the meaning of the vision was, the man sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, I like that. <laughs> the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. So... Do not hesitate to go with him, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and said to the man, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The man replied, We have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear 
what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. What a beautiful encounter. And I think this is, this is the beginning of the church. This is the beginning where God was basically opening up this place where it was in God's heart all the time to bring all the nations to himself. Obviously, to Yeshua. You know, in Isaiah 49, he says, It is a small thing for you to, to, to be king over Israel, my people. I will bring all nations to you. And that was a prophetic declaration of Yeshua, Jesus, that he will be king not only of the Jews, but he will be king over all the people. Now, the Jews didn't think that. The Jews were focused on, okay, he's our king. He's a relative. You know, we're going to embrace him and everything is going to be okay. But in God's heart, he has a whole um, plan for the Gentiles to come. And, and here's the beauty of it. It was God's heart that the Gentile centurion would hear the gospel from the Jewish Peter. And that's very significant because uh, it's the beginning of you know reaching out to the nations god's calling for israel to be is a light and to be uh, a light to the nations to bring the gospel to bring the the word of god to the nations now we have failed miserably we have failed miserably because now uh, we have not really seen the messiah fully and uh, we have really not seen uh, the, the place of the Gentiles fully at that time. And you could see it. This question was very relevant. Uh, in book of Acts chapter 15, if I may skip a little bit, I won't get into it too much because you'll get to it. But the whole big question rises up. Okay, so Gentiles are coming. What are we going to do? You know, how, how are we going to... What what's this mean? You know, what does this mean? Now, I, I'm really... Um, I'm really sad sometimes that people, even today, speak about the calling of Israel with a sense of pride and a sense of, uh, you know, we're the called ones. We're called to, you know, uh, to bring the gospel and, we, you know, we're connected as if, like, you know, Jesus is our uncle or, you know, a close relative. And I really want to repent of that attitude that maybe you may have seen. It's, it's really not the heart of God. The heart of God is actually to serve one another, to serve like Peter served the family with the gospel, to serve one another so the heart of God could be displayed. One of the, first, one of the last prophecies that God gives in book of Malachi, you know what he says is, I will turn the hearts together, meaning the hearts of the father to the sons, the sons to the fathers. It's, it's, a, it's a connection of generations. It's a connection between people who want to serve, turning the hearts. Actually, the, the Hebrew word for that, it says, I will, I will return them to one another. I will make them pay attention to one another. I will make them connect with one another, not to be you know, connected for the mere fact. They will serve one another. And I think that's the heart of God, is that when he's bringing us together, he's wanting us to serve one another. And that's really the heart of God. And the book of Acts chapter 15 was a wonderful conclusion where they said, okay, this is the heart of God. We embrace it. But interestingly, when you jump into Romans 11, uh, the opposite question begins to happen. You know, they say, 
Jews, Israel. Maybe they're not part of the equation anymore. Let's just, you know, question that. And so Paul extensively explains, no, the place of Israel is not revoked. And actually he says that the reason that they have rejected is so that all the nations around the world could receive Yeshua. And in fact, their rejection brought so much richness to the whole world, it's actually a nice thing because when they receive, it will be a lot more better. And I think that's, that's the heart of it is that God put this equation between us to say you are forever dependent on one another. And forever, this relationship is going to be based on serving one another and then also bringing the heart of God into earth. And I think this is what basically happens in this chapter. And the other thing I wanted to emphasize, uh, and this would be the last point, I think 615 is happening, um, is that it's very important for our identities to be in place. And I think what we're talking about is oneness doesn't necessarily mean that we become uh, not differentiated. Or Is that the right word? Sorry, English people here. So w there is a distinct difference. And I think it's a healthy one, just like a man and a woman have a distinct difference, thankfully. There's a distinct difference. And I think Peter here was not turning away from his Jewish roots. He wasn't saying, I'm stopping to be a Jew. He was just saying, okay, that, this is my, my complete identity. This is my other side of the identity that I need to embrace as the Son of God. It wasn't denying his Jewish roots, and I think it's a very important thing. Just like the centurion was not going to be asked to be circumcised or follow all the Jewish uh, laws that God had given Everyone remained where they were, but they worshipped Yeshua. And that's something that we are called also. The message here is not so um, we can, you know, lose that line of difference. It's actually to uh, embrace that difference and just say, no, we are one. And I think that's part of the testimony that you guys have had when you came to Israel. Because you weren't coming you know, acting or being like Jews, you were, I just say these are Christians who love Israel. And that's a term in Israel that they're beginning to realize it, but it's not fully known yet. So, well, a Christian who loves Jews, Israel, you know, and so they were very much open to you praying. I've never prayed for the mayor. Uh, if I, I didn't think I'd have the courage to come and say, hey, let me pray for you. Because we would be in a different dialogue. But because of your difference and who you were, the Lord opened that opportunity to pray for him. And I think that's something that God uses, that we can be called and live the way that we live, the way has, God has called us, celebrate Christmas, enjoy Easter, and we will keep what God has called us to keep. But together, we have a testimony that we are the bride of Christ, we are the body of the Messiah, and we need each other for the salvation of our nations. Because that's something that is key in this, is that God promises when we come together, you know, it's not just Centurion who, who was saved, his whole family embraced the Messiah. 
And I think that's something that's beautiful that when, when we realize this aspect of our calling and we embrace it in our life, I am sure it would release in your life a blessing that you're anticipating. And it would release in our life a blessing that we are anticipating for our nations. So this is my message to you. And I want to thank you again for the opportunity of sharing. Thank you so much for coming here. And for those of you watching this tomorrow, good morning. And uh, I want to also thank you again. Maybe next time we will be able to see each other. But thank you so much for the opportunity. I would like to end with a prayer. And um, for God to complete his word in our hearts. Abba, we just want to come before you thankfully for your great heart, for your heart um, of Father. You are truly our Father. And on this uh, celebration of Father's Day, we celebrate you as our Father. We are your children, Lord. We, we've been called by you to come before you as one people. And so, Abba, I pray that each one that has heard this message will take this and apply it in their life. Abba, I pray, let this not be a message that we keep in a shelf, but let it be something that would be like a, a defining moment for us to realize that we are incomplete without one another. And I want to thank you, Lord, for this community, for this church, for the leadership who has come to that place, and we want to bring our relationship before you, that it will be a relationship of mutual blessing. I pray, Lord Yeshua, that you would leave the residue of your blessing through this relationship in this community. I pray that you bless their vision. I pray that you bless everything that they're seeking after before you. And I pray, Lord Yeshua, that you would do the same thing for us. Use our relationship to touch our nation for the salvation. In Yeshua's name. Thank you, Abba. Amen. Amen, amen. We always have people stand and hear God's good word. Would you do the ironic blessing over us? So stand and hear the ironic blessing in the original language. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this is a, a I'll, I'll sing it in Hebrew, and I uh, just want to say it in, in English. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. It's amazing how many times the face of God appears in this blessing. It just shows us how much God wants to relate with us face to face. Veyasem lecha shalom. Amen. Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Hallelujah. Thank you.